us pray. Father God, we are thankful that you speak to us through your word. Uh, you're under no obligation to, you could just stay silent and you would be completely just in doing that. But um, in your goodness, you speak to us. In your goodness, you give us your word. And I pray that your word would sink into our hearts. And I pray that uh, you would transform us for your sake so that we would love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So today we are going through anger. This is part three of our class, the gospel and mental health. And um, as Michael and I were talking about, you know, putting putting this class together or this series together, um, how, how do we approach it? Or what are the things that people are the most general uh, general uh, issues that people deal with when it comes to mental health? And uh, as many of you know, my wife is a counselor. She's a therapist. And um, anger and bitterness, this is something that is a thing that I think most people – everyone deals with some people to uh, a greater extent but um, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at anger and anger is one of those things where it when we study it, when we understand it it allows us to kind of poke around in our hearts and it uh, reveals something about us and that's a good thing uh, one of the things that as when I talked to Christine over the years I've learned that what a good therapist does is um, they ask the right questions and they help the client figure out why do I react to things the way I do? Why do I think the way I do? And this is one of those things where if we understand anger, our own anger, it'll help us uh, dissect what's happening in us. So that's my hope. And uh, so that's that's how we'll, uh, that, that's my goal for this, this class. So let me start with the APA definition of anger. This is it. An emotion characterized by antagonism towards someone or something you feel has deliberately done you wrong. Uh, so this is something that we've all felt because we've all been wronged in some way, um, either intentionally or, or unintentionally. Um, so that's anger. We'll, we'll explore that more as we continue on through the class. And uh, we're... I, we're, I'm going to slightly bring up bitterness, um, but I'm not going to talk about it all that much, just because I think anger is a more base issue. Um, but what bitterness is, is th and this is my definition, it's unprocessed anger. Oh, I, I, I didn't complete the thoughts. Um, but uh, on the sheet, it's unprocessed anger that settles into our hearts. It settles into, um, I don't want to say our subconscious, but it just gets into us and it gets into our bones. And uh, you could call it anger matured. It's anger that has uh, that has been uh, ha has been allowed to uh, get inside us deeper than just mere anger, uh, than uh, anger that has been processed. So that's anger and bitterness. And let me uh, to set the uh, groundwork for how we're going to think about anger. Let me say that what anger is not. Anger is not something that's inside us. So you know. Uh, sometimes we hear, when we think about anger or when we talk about anger, we think in terms of, I'm so full of anger. There's so much anger inside me. I, like my insides are boiling up because I'm so angry. And this is not, these are not wrong ways to think about it, but maybe it's not a complete way of thinking about it. Because anger is not, it's not some demon inside us. It's not some type of uh, kind of latent energy that's just waiting to be brought out. 
Anger is something that we do. Anger is an act. Anger is a moral act. There is you can assign right or wrong to this moral act. So um, that's how we're going to think about anger. It's not just something that's inside us. It's something that we actually do. Um, it could be sinful. Maybe it's not. We'll talk about that. So uh, let's go go through this. So first off, anger reveals something about us. Anger reveals something about us. So in all of us, God has given us a sense of justice, of right or wrong. And when we get angry, we're saying that our sense of justice, our sense of fairness has been uh, riled up. It, it, it's, it's set off. And if, it's, if we take something personally, we think that we're thinking in our minds, so I've been violated. My sense of justice has been violated. So what matters to me, uh, this is, these are the things that get us angry. So, for example, let me, um, one thing that gets me angry on a regular basis is there's, um, when I go from my home to Castro Valley, I live in Hayward, uh, there's this one intersection where there, there's a, there's a Walgreens on one side, there's a gas station on, on the other side, and there are two lanes that they either go one of them goes. I wish I didn't have that sharp. I wish I had a regular pen, but um, wow, we've been jishing. We pull it out of nowhere. And this is a Crayola. No, did it say? It works. All right. Is it not? No. Well, you're gonna have to use your use your imagination. So it's one of those lanes that um, you can either go straight or you can go right. And I always want to turn right, but the problem is that in order to go straight, you have to wait for the light to turn green, right? So there's what gets me angry is that there there are people that will choose to stop right at that in that lane when I should be when I want to turn right, but then because they in their selfishness have decided to take the lane that goes straight, I have to wait for the light to turn green. Otherwise, I could just turn right with no delay, and that. It makes me angry. I say things I shouldn't say at that point. And why does that, why, this happens at least three or four times a week. Because I, I take that road every day. And um, why does it get me angry? It's because what matters to me is that I get to my destination on time. And I feel like the person in front of me, they, have, they, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't considerate of the person behind them. So my philosophy about traffic is that. Everyone should act not in terms of their own self-interest, but they should consider everyone else around them, and they should think in terms of how should the flow of traffic work. I need to be considerate of the people merging in, the people merging out, the people that want to turn. I will go out of my way to make sure that they can turn right or left if they need to without causing delay. But in my mind, these people have wronged me in not being considerate. They're not being respectful of my time. So they will stay in that lane and wait. And we both have to wait for the light to turn green. So that's just a common thing for me. Like, I get angry at that. And what I'm when I get angry, what I'm saying is what matters to me is that I be on time. What matters to me is that I don't spend more time in the car than I need. Uh, I have this other phrase here. I am against that. I am against certain things. So... We all get offended by certain things, right? Some people are, are offended by, if you go on Facebook, I have like a lot of my friends don't share the same political beliefs as me. Um, and I go, oh, I, could, I can choose to be angry at that. I can choose to be offended by that. And sometimes um, I might be. Um, what I'm saying is I'm against what they believe. 
because I believe that there is a standard of right and wrong, and they have veered off that standard, and they're trying to impose their standards on me as well. Um, these things matter to me. There are other things that don't matter to me as much. I'm not a Warriors fan, so if someone trash talks the Warriors on Facebook, I'm not going to get angry because they don't matter to me. But uh, when we get angry, it allows us to see, it allows us to look into our own hearts and minds and say, why, why am I thinking that way? Uh, what matters to me? The more I value something, the more upset I'm going to be. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. C.S. Lewis has this quote here. Anger is the fluid that love bleeds when you cut it. So, what do you love? I love my family. I love my local sports team. I love my time. Um, and if you cut that, if you somehow get in the way of what I love, I am going to respond in anger. Um, we have an example of this in Jonah. Do you remember the story of Jonah? So Jonah was sent by God to Nineveh, and Jonah was the reluctant prophet. He, God gave him command, and Jonah hemmed and hawed, and he said, I don't want to go. And if you remember, this is like one of the really comedic stories of the of the Bible. Jonah decides that he's not going to give the message, God's message to the city of Nineveh. And he decides, you know, I don't like Nineveh. They don't deserve the mercy of God. They don't deserve that the, the message that God has given to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to crawl up and I'm going to sleep under this, uh, under this little um, fig. What is it? It's a, uh, this plant that provides shade for him. And then God decides Jonah should not be sleeping in the shade of this plant, and he causes the shade to wither, the plant to wither up. And look at what uh, Jonah four says. God said to Jonah, "Do you do well to be angry for the plant?" And he said, "Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die." And the Lord said, "You pity the plants, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than one hundred twenty thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left?" So what's going on with Jonah? Jonah thinks that that the pe- number one, the people of Nineveh, they don't deserve God to rescue them because God sent Jonah to to give this message of uh, judgment and here is a chance for you to repent. And Jonah is Jonah was right. He they did not deserve God's mercy. Um, none of us deserve God's mercy. But he held on to that, that he decided that his judgment of Nineveh was better than, or higher than God's judgment of Nineveh. And he said, I'm, I would rather they just be condemned and let me just sleep when I should be delivering this message. And God says, look at you, Jonah. Let me, let me poke at your heart. Let me poke at your sense of comfort. Why did you get so angry for the plants, you were so angry that your shade was taken away from you. So what's in Jonah's heart? Not compassion, not love for the people of Nineveh. Jonah, what mattered to Jonah was his love for his own comfort and his own sense of justice. He thought, I'm going to keep it the way it is. So anger reveals something about us. When we get angry, there are certain things that... Um, there are things that happen to other people that are, are, there's always something worse happening to someone else, right? If you read the news, there's always bad news. And we may get, when we read the news, we may get, um, our curiosity curiosity may be piqued, 
um, we may get slightly angry, but most of the time we get way more angry that a close relative or friend that they slighted us, and that sticks with us. But for example, if there's somewhat, if there's a, the injustice happening around the world, um, in the Middle East, we're always hearing about people getting killed for whatever, for these bogus reasons. Um, that's way worse than our own problems. But we're more concerned about ourselves, and we get angry over things that happen to us. So uh, this is something that anger does to us. It's not necessarily um, – I would say that it's a diagnostic tool or a – it's a – well, I have diagnostic questions here. I would say that it's a, um, it's a way to measure what's, what's happening in me. So some questions to ask when we get angry. What do I want, and why does that thing matter to me so much? The more tightly we hold on to something, the more angry we get when something gets in that way, in the way of that thing. Or what do I believe about the significance of what happened to me? Do I something? If something bad happened to me, we may think this is the end of the world. This is the worst thing that could have happened to me. When in reality, if we were to step away from it, it may not be that bad. But our anger amplifies the situation, and we we become way more sensitive to things surrounding that than we otherwise would be. Um, what am I afraid of? What do I not want to happen to me? If I get angry at, if I get angry at someone, it might be because um, they threaten something that I want. So let me use um, let me use a example. Let's say that if someone were to threaten my family, uh, and like I would want to protect Christine and Zachary, and I'm afraid that they're going to get hurt. And I would get angry at this person if there were a robber or some or, or a burglar that came into her home. Um, I don't want these bad things to happen to my family. Therefore, I get angry at the person. Um, what intentions guided the interaction? Or I would I would put it again in another way. Uh, how do I view the intentions of the person or the thing that offended me? Uh, if if I become really angry at them. It might be because I misunderstand them. It might be because I've projected my own insecurities and fears onto them. And that says more about me than it says about this person. There's um, So kind of how there's a spectrum of uh, anger. I'm going to look around one more time for, for a marker. Um, okay, so there's a spectrum of – or there's um. There's a, a chain of events that lead to anger. So th- there might be something that we want. If we want something good, we, we'll say, I want this thing. Um, that, that's desire. And then if we say that we want, if we, we must have something, we're demanding that we have that thing. I must have, let's say, for example, let, uh, I must have this this. Honda Civic. Um, I must, and and I, I'm saying to whoever is in charge of passing out cars to people, uh, I must have this car. We're, I'm demanding, and then that turns into if we continue to let that uh, thought go, or if we continue to hold on to that thing that we really want, we'll say I will have that thing no matter what, and it becomes a need for us. I need to have that Honda Civic, um, and. Therefore, that turns into if the car dispenser that uh, w- w- it turns into 
you should give me something. So I expect I expect that I am given that Honda Civic. And then if that person doesn't provide that for me, uh, I say, why didn't you give me what I wanted? I become disappointed. And in my anger, I, I say, therefore, I will punish you. I will give you the cold shoulder. I will give you a bad review. I will tell other people about what a terrible person you are. I will, I will cut off my affection from you. That, that's um, desire for a good thing turning into anger. So it's us holding on to something so tightly that we go, I'm expecting something now. I, my sense of justice it has been wronged, and therefore I get angry. Uh, so um, I'll talk a little bit more about that. I realize I'm sweating right now. I never cooled down from my jog from the restroom. Um, so, okay, any questions or thoughts before we go on? Okay, let me go on. So, there is uh, good anger and there is bad anger. So, let's go through the uh, these passages. Oh, thank you so much. Um, good anger. So, can I have... Uh, I'm going to just go down this line. Can I have you guys read these passages? Jane, can I have you read Psalm 4, 4, please? Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your bread and be silent. Thanks. And then... Um, Take can you read uh, Ephesians, please? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then can continue on in that. He that is angry without cause oh. sin. Oh, sorry, did I read the wrong one? Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to ask Tay to read the whole, oh, all of okay. Ephesians. Oh. Sorry about oh. that. Uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. All right, thank you. So we see in this, before we go on to this quote from John Chrysostom, um, the Bible says that we can be angry. Anger is a part of us. It reveals something about our hearts, and we may we may want something good, and we may, uh, and... In this, in the Psalms and in Ephesians, where Paul quotes the Psalm, um, we can be angry, uh, but do not sin. So that being angry in itself is not necessarily a sin. Uh, there was this quote by John Chrysostom, and um, uh, Mel, you started reading it. Let me uh, read this. John Chrysostom, he was um, a church father, and uh, in the first millennia, and he says this: "He that is angry without cause sins." But he who is not angry when there is cause sins. For unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. So there are times when not being angry might be sinful. If you see some gross injustice happening and you can do something about it, there is a sense of justice that God has placed in us, or a sense of right and wrong, where we say, I I can't just be coldly indifferent to this thing that is happening. I I can't be impassionate about this event that's happening. Um, so we can, this sense of, of right and wrong, this justice, it can be, it can be uh, stirred up in us. Um, but it says, wh- where does the anger lead you? Does it lead you to react violently? Does it cause you to um, curse the wrong person? Does it cause you to just lash out and destroy things indiscriminately? 
uh, because that might be sin. But there is a way in which you can be angry, in which perhaps you must be angry at at things that are wrong. Um, so, because anger is something that is an attribute that we share with God. Do you, if you guys remember our Sunday school series, there was a, the we did the incommunicable attributes of God, which are the characteristics of God that we can't we don't share with God. Like we're not sovereign. We, um, we're not all wise, but there are the communicable aspects of God that God has called us to, uh, to emulate. So there is the, uh, the love and the mercy of God. These are attributes of God. These are things, these are traits that we can share with God. And one of them is anger. So, uh, Psalm 7 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. So there is, uh, God, God, fe- God feels anger at sin every day, the psalm says. And uh, Mel, you had a question or comments? Oh, well, I was just going to ask when we were talking about good anger, mm-hmm. uh, can you give me an example from the Bible of someone other than God or Jesus who did something in anger that was good? Um, the book of Galatians, Paul calls the Pharisees, um, he, he, he is really strong language in... In uh, he says, um, may these people that give that present the wrong gospel may they be accursed or um, the uh, may they be damned. And I think that Paul, when you, when I hear the strong language, I think that Paul might have been angry at these people that taught false doctrine. And that was a good thing. Um, I think so. Um. Yeah. So, and then, and then just one other question before we get past it on the uh, uh, Psalm four, four. Right. I have several Bibles at my house, and none of them say "Be angry and do not sin." They all say, "In your anger, do not sin." Now that means something different to me. Be angry. You're commanded to be angry, whereas "In your anger," meaning you're going to get angry, but control it. Yeah. So, does anybody else's Bible in this room say "Be angry"? ESV, right? I'm looking at the English Standard Version. Um, we could look at the original languages later. Just, but yeah. The words mean something completely different to me. Be angry and in your yeah. anger do not mean the same thing. But My I, I, Bible doesn't say be angry. Right. And none of the other three or four Bibles I have say yeah. that. Yeah, it's like the word indignant coming up. None of my Bibles say that Jesus was indignant either. Yeah. Um, we might have to look at the original text to, um, to dig into that. Um, the Hebrew and the Old Testament, the New Testament uh, in Greek. Uh, but in your anger, I think that's also, it, it tells us that there, are, it acknowledges that there are times when we will be angry. Mm-hmm. That does, doesn't necessarily mean that it's sinful. Um, I think, uh, is, is bitterness and wrath and clamor and slander, are they sinful? Because um, anger is included with all of them. Yeah. In that th- phrase, so it just seems kind of odd you'd say it's not included. Um, well, Bitterness is not a bitterness um, and clamor and slang, slander. These are not attributes that God Himself has. Um, wrath, God has. Anger uh, is something that that God has, and uh, I think this is something that we. This is uh, something that we can have. It may not necessarily be sinful, but it could easily lead to sin. Um, uh, in Exodus 32, um, 
Actually, Mel, can I have you read Exodus 32, please? And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a stick, stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of them. All right, thanks. So, God here, he says, he is burning with wrath and anger against his own people, the people that he loves. And if you look at the last phrase, God says, um, in order that I may make, make a great nation of you, speaking of uh, Israel, of the people of the of God, God has this has this anger, and anger. What it does is it doesn't just annihilate the first the the uh, object or the people that you're angry at. It looks at a thing in a person, and it says, "I want to take that out. I want to cut." So, um, an example might be if you if you were to see someone with uh, with an infected arm, and you, what you could do is you could say, "I'm going to just." I'm going to kill the bacteria by killing that person, which would be a completely inappropriate response. The proper response is to say, I've, if I were a doctor, I would say, I'm going to go into the arm. I'm going to remove the infection. And that is the type of anger that God has, which he says, I see the sin in my people. And what God could do is he could just completely annihilate us and destroy us for good. But what God does in his anger is he takes a surgical knife and removes the sin from his people. It doesn't mean that it's going to be pretty. It doesn't mean that it's easy. But God does this painful work of, in his anger, um, uh, dealing with his people. So God's anger is always redemptive. It always leads to the good of his people. Um, and then we see uh, Jesus. He has anger as well. Um, Mel, you, you mentioned in your Bible um, that you don't see the word indignance. If we look at the original text in the New Testament, in the Greek, uh, the word that, that's used here, let me read it in John 11. This is when uh, Lazarus died. Jesus saw um, the brother of uh, the, the siblings of Lazarus weeping, sorrow weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and he greatly troubled. Indignant is the word that the it is the uh, is the connotation of the original language. Jesus wept. Then Jesus deeply moved when Jesus was angry or indignant. Again, he came to the tomb. So Jesus, he expresses this, this deep, deep emotion. He is angry at the fact that there is sin and death, and that's right in front of him. He right in front of him. He sees the result of sin and death. Jesus expresses anger at death. Um, and then again in Mark three, uh, can I have you read this? Uh, sure. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. All right, so here it again is... The anger of Jesus mixed with compassion. So who is Jesus angry at? Jesus is angry at these religious leaders. They want to catch Jesus in a trap, and they want, they, they're more concerned about 
the keeping of rules than the health of this person. And Jesus, verse 5, he looked around at them with anger, and he was grieved that their hearts were hardened. So anger is not necessarily something that is wrong. It could lead, it could very easily lead to us reacting in sinful ways. But we see in Jesus an example of there's this good type of, of anger that can lead to something good. Uh, questions, comments, before I move on? Um, I noticed that it says that Jesus loved and he grieved at the hardness of hearts. Mm. And in, um, in school, I learned that anger is like a secondary emotion, but it covers pain that yeah. hurts. So I really like that quote, which says, for anger is the fluid that love bleeds when you cut it. So I just yeah. like it articulated that. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's really good. Anger is a secondary emotion, so what lies underneath that, right? Uh, thank you. Um, let's go on to the bad anger. So this is for the most, very often, our anger lead is, is a type of bad anger because it's sinful. Colossians 3.8. Um, Rachel, can I have you read Colossians 3.8, All right, so uh, going along with what Mel mentioned earlier, there is this um, this list of vices or sins, and Paul says in Colossians, uh, "You've been angry. Now put it away. Do something. Uh, you can." There's the bad anger, which is sinful. So you need to do something about it. And I'm going to tell a story, a couple stories later about um, about people that have put away anger. Um, let me, Gene, can I have you read this long passage from Matthew 5, please? Sure. Uh, you have heard that it was said to those of, you, of those of old, <clears throat> you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hill of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. All right, thank you. So Jesus is speaking of this in the context of relationships. And he says that you may not think that you are uh, reacting as poorly or as... Um, sinfully as you think but let me tell you if you've ever been angry with someone you're guilty of murdering that person that's how extreme jesus is speaking and he says you need to reconcile with your brother you need to figure out why you're angry at him you need to figure out you need to work out um, your issues he says before you go to the altar uh be reconciled to him so there's this anger that is not just an emotion that I'm feeling, and I can just leave it at that. Jesus is saying it goes far beyond just what you're feeling in the moment. What does that mean when it says, before you go before the altar? It, uh, so Jesus is speaking to people who they had the, their tradition was to go to temple to present um, uh, offerings or sacrifices. And Jesus is saying, before you approach God, um, there, there's a in in First John it says, um, "How can we lo- say that we love our? Say, how can we say that we love God when we don't love our brother?" And I think it goes along those lines where we our relationships with our brothers and sisters that they need to be reconciled, or we have to make an effort to be reconciled to our brothers and sisters. Um, 
before we can honestly say to God, like, God, I can approach you, um, and I am, uh, I've, I've done my part in repenting before I approach you. So is this literal or figurative? If, if a modern-day translation would be, I'm guessing, before you go to church, before you tithe, before you take communion, if you're angry at someone or you know someone angry at you, don't do it. Go make it right and come back. Yeah, is I, that I, what it's saying? I, I think in the most so your fundamental sense. not helping you. Get rid of your anger before you come to me. Be that. reconciled with Be your brother. Be reconciled with your anger. Right. Be reconciled with your brother. Um, and it's not a good thing. Get rid of it. You should not remain angry. Okay. Yeah, so I just anger is uh, a spark that causes you to do something good or bad. Causes you to be indignant? Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, or the indignation. The indignation can be a spark. Um, okay, and then, uh, uh, yes? I think like when you're angry with your brother, you broke fellowship with him. And so how can you take communion, which is a symbol of a fellowship meal, Right? The symbol violates the reality. So it's basically saying you can only partake of the meal when the reality is true. Um, but I don't know if, it, like, legalistically, you have to go, you know, and make it right. I think if you're resolved to make it right. Yeah. It's, I mean, what Jesus says is really difficult. Um, when Jesus commands us to do things, a lot of times it's not practical. But Jesus doesn't call us to do practical things. Um, but, yeah, the resolve, the intention... Uh, thanks. Um, uh, anger destroys relationships. Um, hot tempered man, he stirs up strife. Proverbs 15. James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So, this is, at its most fundamental level, this is why anger can be really sinful, which is you're putting yourself above. The judgment of God. We're, I'm, I'm saying about this person who has offended me. I know how bad they are. I know how guilty they are. I'm going to make them pay for it. Um, it it's us saying uh, what I want is more important than the welfare of this other person, which is which is the opposite of what God calls us to do. God calls us to die to ourselves. He calls us to. Um, take up our cross and sometimes it means not defending ourselves sometimes it means not having to be understood it means not having to be proven right um, there are times when we should be doing that but there are other times when we're so concerned about our own welfare and our own reputation that we will lash out at other people and we will say in well when we do that we're saying that uh, what what I desire is more important than the welfare of this other person. And my judgment is higher than God's judgment of this person. This is why we, when we react in anger, um, when we're not uh, thoughtful about engaging someone, um, that's sin. Um, so it destroys relationships. And Dallas Willard, uh, this professor at USC, the late professor at USC, he says this, Stepping out of anger means that you are surrendering your will to God. It means that you have accepted that you don't have to have your way. So this requires what? It requires a whole lot of humility, uh, which is really difficult. Uh, we have a right to be angry at certain people in our lives, I think. Um, but we don't have the right to remain angry and bitter at them. Um, they may have wronged us, but God has called us to live peaceable lives. We read the passage in Ephesians. Um, 
be tender-hearted, be compassionate, be uh, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. So this, if we don't do that, it becomes bad anger. We allow this to seep into our hearts and we become vengeful and spiteful. Um, so that's that's bad anger. Um, thoughts or questions before we move on? Okay, let me move, go on to be slow to anger. So there's good anger, there's bad anger. The type of anger that God calls us to, Proverbs 16.32, who do, I, who do I, do I end with? And Tracy, can you read uh, Proverbs 16? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Thank you. So note that the writer of Proverbs, he says, um, he who rules his spirit. So in order to be slow to anger, it means that you have to work something inside you. It means you have to master your own self in order to be slow to anger. So it means you have to dissect your own heart. Why did I get as upset as I did? Did I? Are there certain idols in my life that I am not willing to let go, and therefore I get angry when that idol is threatened? Um, be thoughtful about about why we become angry. Um, be slow to anger. Do not make a snap judgment. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Ali, can I have you read that? Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Thanks. And uh, we hear this again in Proverbs 14. Cat, uh, can I have you read that? Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. All right, thanks. Um, and, Dom, can I have you read James 1, please? Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. All right, thank you. So, uh, what you guys read, it, there is a type of anger that is man-centered, and there is a type of anger that is God-centered. Be slow to anger means, let me figure out, let me be thoughtful, let me... Perhaps I need to uh, dig into the scriptures. Perhaps I need to dig into my heart and say, um, what type of anger do I have? Let me be slow to becoming angry. And then if it is legitimate anger, you can use that anger as a motivator to do what is right, what is good, as God does. Uh, So um, be slow to anger. I, I think it comes down to being very thoughtful and um, assessing yourself um, as well as the situation. Questions, thoughts before we get to our last points? All right, so um, the gospel heals our anger. There's my alarm. Um, let me read this long passage, James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There is, it doesn't, this passage doesn't mention anger um, explicitly. But if you look at verse um, 16, uh, look at verse 17. You notice uh, the, the string of phrases that Paul uses. He says, uh, 
Wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is the other other side of anger. So if we if we continue to be angry at someone, we can't produce these fruits. We can't ha- we can't be peaceable with someone. We can't be gentle with someone in our anger. We can't be open to reason or full of mercy, impartial and sincere. And how do we get to that point? How do we get to that point where we can say, I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm going to be thoughtful. How do we get there? And the answer is the gospel. Because what the gospel says is this. We have all, number one, God is angry. He's, the Bible says God is angry at sin every day. And yet, what does God do? He has forgiven us. If we look at uh, Proverbs 25, who did it end off with? Shaolin, can I have you read, read Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, please? I'm sorry, yeah, the next one. Oh, okay, sorry. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he's thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will reap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. All right, so uh, this is, this Proverbs, like, it, it says to your enemy who you may be furious with, do this, give him bread to eat, give him water to drink. Uh, this is what God has done for us. We are his enemies. And because we've offended God so much, because we have decided to take the place of God, God's anger at us is completely justified. And he, of all people, he is completely right to completely destroy us for offending him. But God has chosen to love us. He has chosen to forgive us. And he has shown us the example of how to deal with our anger. And what did he do? The anger went on who? On Jesus the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus who received all the anger and the wrath of God. It was poured out on him. That's my final alarm. Um, uh, God has shown us what it means to be, This is what it means for, to forgive someone. When we're angry, we have to forgive. Again, the, the verse in Ephesians, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So not only has God given us an example for how to forgive when we're angry, but also he says that you have you in your sin have turned your anger against not just your fellow man, but also against me. Again, when we make judgments against other people or when we make judgments on certain events or situations, and we say, this is how it is, and I can I know that this person's motives are wrong. I know that all this stuff that is happening, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, there's when we, when we say that with, with complete certainty, we're saying that what God has done is not right. I know better than God. I've put myself and my own judgments above God. And we therefore put God in the dock, and we say, God... I can't believe that you've done this. Uh, Christine and I were talking about this lesson a couple days ago, and she mentioned one of the times uh, that she remembered when I got angry or when I expressed anger. And it was that I, I was, um, this was when I was living down in Southern California. I saw this homeless person um, pushing a cart, and he was hobbling along on a leg, uh, holding up traffic because he was just going across the, uh, going across the street super slow and I could tell he was in pain and in this moment I was driving to my seminary class I became super angry at God I thought God how can you let this happen like this person what did he do to deserve to to deserve such a terrible life um 
this is not right, God. And in saying that, I was sinning and telling God, God, I know better than you how things should be. And I'm putting myself above you. But God says, you you have, in your anger, in your sin, have chosen to act as the final judge. But God says, he as a final judge has poured the judgment upon Jesus. So therefore, God can forgive us and he gives us the grace and the power to forgive others. Jesus on the cross, he says that he said this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, we did not know what we were doing. And, and Jesus could say to God, uh, God, I will uh, forgive these people. And God did forgive us. Um, and one day, everything that's making us angry, all the injustice in the world, all the wrongs that are put upon us, that will one day be completely gone. Uh, the wrath of God is finished in Revelation 15.1. One day there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more, nothing that makes us angry. We, anger won't be a thing that we experience anymore. This is how the gospel heals our anger. Um, let me end with one final story. Uh, and this is, I think this is such a great um, example of anger that is redemptive, that became redemptive anger and ultimately healing. So if you guys remember, some of you guys might be old enough to remember this. In 1994, there was the genocide in Rwanda. This was the Hutu majority and then the Tutsis. The Hutus, they killed, um, in a span of about 100 days, they killed anywhere from 800,000 to uh, to 1 million Tutsis. And what they, they went into villages, they burned the villages, they would rape the women, they would kill the men. They would. They often would maim the children. Um, mothers and fathers saw their own children uh, cut in half in front of them, and then they themselves would be stabbed, and they would be left to die. And um, this happened to so many people. One of these people, his uh, her name was Gaspard, and she uh, Gaspard. She watched the her her own brother uh, killed in front of her in in the, this burning village and she could never forget what happened. And for years and years and years, she just replayed that thought over and over and over filled with anger and bitterness toward this one person. Um, almost 20 years later in t 2003, uh, there were tens of thousands of these Hutus released from prison because of the overcrowding and um, the Rwandan president, he just ordered this. And one of the killers was the killer of uh, Gaspard's brother. And they were brought together uh, in at, at this event. And the Gaspard and the killer of her brother met. And they embraced. And Gaspard forgave this other person. Um, how is that possible? It's because they knew that as a believer, they had to forgive this person that caused them so much pain and anger. And Gaspard had one more thing to do. Um, she gave this killer a new name. He officially changed his name to Innocence. Called Gaspard said, this person is innocent because of what Christ has done. And they now work together in the same, uh, in the same fact, I think it's a factory or, um, uh, they work on the same farm next to each other. Um, this is possible because of the gospel. So this is what to do with anger. Um, there was so much to... How did anger help her in that situation? Like no, anger, 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 anger became forgiveness. So because... Oh, anger didn't help her, the forgiveness. Yes, so, so, so what, I'm say, what I'm saying is the gospel will heal our anger. 
and it, it gives us an end to our anger, a redemptive end to our anger. Thank you for that clarifying question. Um, so anger is a spark that causes us to go one way or another. It can cause us to do something redemptive and constructive, or it can cause us to do something destructive. Um, that's your questions. Sorry, I know I'm running low on time. <clears throat> I guess for women, we don't, as for me, <laughs> as, as a woman, I don't think that I'm angry, that I have anger. A lot of times I express it as frustration. Yeah. And I realize that actually frustration is a kind of anger. So, you know, sometimes I hear lessons about anger, and then I think, oh, you know, I don't have that problem. And then I go on with my life, and I'm talking to people, and I'm frustrated with this and that and all that. You know, it, it actually is anger that's building, that, that I'm expressing. Yeah. So I just want to make that yeah, thank you. Um, and anger, it, it doesn't have to be this explosive rage. You can, you can, anger can be a, uh, you just turning your back and saying, I'm not going to deal with this person. And then we let the anger build up. But we could, we, that might never come out for a long while. Or it could be this explosive rage, which just berates people and destroys them. Um, we all feel angry on some level or another because we know that there's something wrong with the world. Um, but for us, we have the tools to say there's also something wrong with me. Maybe my sense of right and wrong needs to be recalibrated. Maybe I should stop standing up for myself and standing up for other people. Um, let me close. Um, let me point you to um, – I'll post this on the IGC family page on Facebook. Um, this There's a sermon by Tim Keller. Uh, it's called The Healing of Anger, and he articulates this way better than I do. I, I took some of his material, um, but uh, – this is, um, it, I think it really articulates well how the gospel um, deals with our anger. Let me pray. Father, we are um, thankful that we don't have to remain angry. Um, I pray that in our anger that we would not sin, and I pray that um, your spirit would apply these words to us, that we would live lives that are pleasing to you. Um, and uh, yeah, we ask that you would do your work. And as we head off to the other room, I pray that you would be worshipped um, as we worship with our brothers and sisters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.